This is an as it turns out moment here. Um, originally, this uh, next Sunday, I was going to be here but not preaching. Um, and uh, however, due to uh, a funeral, uh, that's kind of been switched up, which is uh, it worked out because uh, I had in this series, I had four things, and it's like I've got three Sundays. How am I going to do that? Because that's a lot of chapters to get through. Um, so the, I couldn't decide between, I, it's not really two events, but it was, it, it, uh, I guess it is is like a, it kind of extenuate uh, or uh, extended event um, that we're looking through as we talk about this idea of God in a box. This idea that God taught people that he was in, or technically above, as we found out, uh, a box. That, that he, he lived between these, these angels' wings and, and went around with them. And it was a metaphor for his presence. And there's, there's a couple more events, really, that we're going to get uh, into uh, that, that really he illustrated a couple of things, just, just some simple things that he wanted them to get and understand about his presence. Now, we've talked about this is not a type for anything. Really, uh, the Ark of the Covenant or angels' wings are not really a symbol of anything really in the New Testament. Uh, but, but we do learn some ideas from, from this that God really, I think, wants us to understand without having us have a big box behind here, uh, behind our white veil. Um, are we not? There we go. You got to stay on it. We're training. Uh, so my oldest son is going to college, and we've got the the younger one training on the thing. So we're going to have to keep him on his toes. We're going to turn to First Samuel chapter four. First, First Samuel chapter four. going to begin, of course, in verse 1. <clears throat> well, technically partway through verse 1. How's that? They, they threw that chapter beginning in a, in a weird spot. Now all Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped at Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, and the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, so that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people went sent to Shiloh, so that they would bring the Ark uh, of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly, the earth shook. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does this great sound in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And so they came to understand that the Ark of the Lord had come into camp. And the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God's come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us! Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues 
of the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, so that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was very great slaughter and there fell about of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. And the ark of God was, ca- was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed. So a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn and he had dirt on his head. And when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching. And his heart trembled for the ark of the, for God. And when the man came to the city and told it, the city cried out. Eli heard the noise of the shouting. He said, what is the sound of this tumult? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Now Eli was 98. His eyes were so dim he couldn't see. So the man said to Eli, I am the one who has come from battle. I fled from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before Philistines. There has been a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. And it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken. He died, for he was old and heavy. He had judged Israel for 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, you've born a son. But she didn't even answer. She didn't pay attention to it. She named the child Ichabod, saying, The glorious departed from Israel because the ark of the God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. We're going to be talking in the next two weeks about reverence. Uh, today we want to talk about the attitudes of reverence. Uh, and we want to begin talking about misplaced reverence. Now, I want you to imagine, because this actually kind of happened. This would be weird. Imagine we, we said, uh, you know, we have elders, and our most recent elder that we've appointed is, is, is Bruce. And... and, and to honor Bruce and for the many things he does, we've, we've uh, gotten our, our best artists here and, and, uh, and we've, we've painted a painting of Bruce and his wife and, and we're going we're gonna to dedicate this and we're going we're gonna to unveil this, this painting of Bruce in his honor. And the day comes and, and we're going to, to honor him and everyone's excited and, and, and there he is, <laughs> Bruce. I was going to do it with Mike because I thought the, the, the beard looked better, but, but Mike's not with us today. So, be honored by that. Should you, shouldn't you be honored by that? I mean, a buffalo. It's nice and strong. Right? Well, you think I'm a buffalo? Right? That, like, what, what a wonderful painting. Thank you. If that happened, they come out of these people came out of of Egypt, and we're going to honor God, the God who has brought us out of Egypt. And they make a cow to God. God's like, 
You think I'm a cow? Thank you. Right? It's attitude of, but they did it with an attitude of reverence. Right? They, they, they wanted to worship God, and this was what they knew. I mean, they grew up, and this is what they knew from Egypt. Gods are cows. I mean, the best gods are cows. I mean, they have, you know, dung beetles. That's a god. And frogs are gods. And everything's a god. But uh, sometimes we misplace our reverence. In other words, sometimes in, in wanting to do good, in wanting to honor somebody, we can be totally disrespectful. And that was the case then. The Israelites didn't plan on dishonoring God. And when, when we look at this example here, they didn't intend on dishonoring God. But, but I want to look at a couple of, we're going to look at two sides of the coin in this event. Some dishonoring of God that, that happens in, in this event with relationship to the Ark of the Covenant. And, and I think it's important that we, we not dwell on the Ark of the Covenant, but we look at the, the thing happening underneath it. With, with their hearts. So he says, and I want to go back and read, he says, when the people came into the camp, the uh, elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh so that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts who is enthroned on the cherubim or between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the Ark of the Covenant. When it came in, they started shouting. Oh, so excited. And there's a couple of things here that are, that are interesting. Uh, God was a last resort. In fact, not only was God a last resort, but we read that when the, when the Philistines heard it, they were really scared because they said, this had never happened before. This is new. We're in trouble. As it turns out, they weren't. Because God decided not to, re, not to reward a bad attitude. I was like, oh, you think that this is going to save you? Now, as we see in a second, God really didn't like a lot of other things about it. But if you're going to have a, bad attitude, a, a misplaced reverence, at least do it first. Like, it wasn't even... First on their mind. It was the last thing. Oh, you know what we should do? We should consult God. We should go to God and see something. It was the last thing on their mind. And so, I think this is one of the things that goes into their defeat. Now, I'm sure that even if it was done right and consulted, God probably didn't want to be brought out for every skirmish, it's like, okay, here we got another one. I'm going to truck down the road to this one and put them down. And that probably wasn't what God intended. But even if they were going to, at least think of it first. That might have gone a little bit more. But there's a, another thing in here. Is that it became a superstition. God was becoming a superstition. Now remember, they've had this box for a couple of hundred years, about 450 years or so give or take. It says, as soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, and then they gave a shout. The superstition around this box. People are attaching significance to the box. Hey, the box is here. 
It's no longer God who's going to rescue them. It's the box who's going to rescue them. I'll see that a little bit more. We get attached to what we see. That is the danger of using illustrations. Not that God made a bad decision. He was attacked trying... The the problem was with with humanity. We get attached to the thing we can see, and we have a difficulty drawing the lesson from the thing that God says, so so that when God takes it away, as he does in in this chapter later on, like... Oh, I don't know what the lesson is. I, I just got used to the box. I like the box. And what we get attached to, to, to the visible things. Right? How many times do we emphasize this is not the church, this is the church building? Why? Because we get attached to the physical things. And, and uh, stained glass windows, and uh, things that go into the things, and all of that. And it's not just buildings, but there's so many different things that we get attached to that are not the main thing. Well, are we going to have matzos? Are we going to have, you know, like, we get attached to all the other stuff. His attitude. You remember David. David did something that wasn't asked of him. David said, I want to build, I want to build a temple, a permanent place for God. Was that asked of him? No. And God specifically said, and, and this, that's where we learn. Listen, man doesn't, doesn't have the ability to build a place for me to live. That was just a box. It's just a story for you to get the idea that that I'm with you. You can't build anything that I live in. I'm a little bit big for that. Did God reject David for it? No. He didn't reject him like the people here. Why? Because it was an attitude. It came from an attitude of worship. It came from wanting to do something for God and and putting God first. And so there was that mindset. He he wanted to worship God. He understood the spiritual significance of things rather than attaching to a physical thing. There's one more thing, one more development. It's slight. We kind of already referenced it, but, but they were looking for the object to come and save them. In other words, at some point, physical things can become a substitute for God. At some point, our religion can be a substitute for God, if, if you understand what I mean. It, it, it's, it's kind of an odd idea. It's like, I'm here for God. This is, we're all here to do the thing. But, but we can get so caught up in the things that are religious things. Religion is not a, a dirty word. It's in the Bible. Right? It, it's a good thing. But when it becomes a substitute... For worship, stop. For a moment, worship does not mean singing. That's just, just an aside. They are not synonyms. 
singing is in worship, right? But that's not all that worship is. It's like if we did a Venn diagram, worship would be a big circle, singing would be a little circle inside that circle. So praise of all types is, is, would be a slightly bigger circle, and worship would be in that one, right? Because praise can be a lot of things. You praise your kids, right? So, so it would be singing and, and then praise, and then worship entails a whole lot of things. It entails things we do here. It entails things that we do at our homes. It entails our entire... It shouldn't entail our entire life, really. It's a big circle. And the, the religious part of that can become a replacement. So if we drew a, a vent with those Venn diagrams, it would be a separate circle over here in place of this over here. And we would have this over here and God says, no, I want you over here in worship, in, in the attitudes and all the things. I want that all in there. And, and we can get caught up in the other things and make that a substitute for God. And so God says, I'm going to take the box away for a little while. And you can not have the box until you know and relearn the presence of God, separate from the box. Now, not everyone had the wrong idea. There's, there's two people in the story that had at least a semblance of the right idea. Now, similar things can be brought out from both of them, but I want to look at both of them. I want to talk about God's density. You know the story, who knows the story of Archimedes? Archimedes was a mathematician scientist, and he had a, a problem. A problem was given to him by a king. And when kings give you assignments, that's like bad. It's like, oh no, I've got to come up with a solution. Because if you don't, kings tend to cut off your head to do something, make you drink poison hemlock or whatever. So the king said, uh, I don't even know who it was. It was the king of uh, Syracuse in Greece. And, and he says, uh, I have a crown, but I want to know that it's pure. How do I know that it's pure? You know, like, what if you have a, a good goldsmith or whatever could mix with silver and then still pocket some of the extra weight of gold? I know how much it weighs, but I want to know that it's pure. So this is the famous story of Eureka. I found it, right? And, and, uh, and Archimedes comes up with this idea. He, he says, you know, objects displace water. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, trust me. Um, but objects displace water, and they have a, what we call a specific density. That is that, that a, a, a certain weight of an object and a certain weight of this object will displace a different amount of water because they, they're composed of different amounts of stuff. So he says, if it was real gold, we could, um, you know, we could take the weight and say it displaces so much of this water. Whereas if it's mixed with something inferior or heavier or whatever, it, the weight might be the same, but it will displace a different amount of water. And so the idea of density is how much water it displaces. And so as we look at this, Right. 
I want you to take that idea and we'll read this. He says, he who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. The ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backwards from his seat by the side of the gate. And the neck was broken and he died for a man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel 40 years. Nothing displaces God with Eli. I think it's important to remember. He's just lost his two sons. Now, now it's not a good thing that he died. But the thing that triggered him to follow, the thing that shocked him was that the ark of God had been captured. His sons, Eli had bad sons. That could be another part of this reason why they're in the problem that they have. (laughs) <laughs> is, is, that, is that these two sons were horrible. They hadn't displaced, in his heart, they had not displaced God. God had this intense density in Eli's heart. That was what shook him. It is easy for things to displace God in our lives. We want for our kids so much. We vow as adults that we will do things different from the way our parents, right? Every parent has vowed that vow. I'm not going to do what they did. And maybe that's true or maybe that's not. But we want so much for our kids. And we emphasize things for our kids. In our attitudes. What do we emphasize? We want them to have a good career. We want them to have this. We want them to have that. And so much of what we want for them shows a displacement where God is not the center of what we want for them. Oh, he might be included, but displaced somewhat. Is that what I want most? A good career? Then I've set my sights low. I've allowed God to be displaced somewhat, at the very minimum. I want to talk about our reveal. It is now interesting, and in, in, uh, people always want to outdo each other. The baby reveal. Right? How oh, the gender reveal. Uh, it, it, to the point where they now get lethal. Right? <laughs> or they start forest fires, such as this photo. Uh, this started a, a forest fire. Right? It's like, uh, people die in gender reveals, like, like explosives. Like, no, you should not be doing that. Just... But, but in this story, there's a gender reveal. Daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant, about to give birth, and when she heard the news that the Ark of Covenant had been captured, her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She bowed and gave birth. Her labor came on her, and 
About the time of her death, the women attending her said, don't be afraid, you have a son. She didn't answer. She didn't care. So her whole, up to this moment, I mean, the last however many months, I don't know if she's close, six, seven, eight months, whatever, has been about this moment. Oh, this is the most exciting moment. Oh, the baby. Right, no ultrasound, so there's going to be a boy, there's going to be a girl. What, 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 what? The, the moment comes, she doesn't care. Imagine that. She doesn't care. She's like, she didn't even respond. She didn't even pay attention to, okay, whatever. What was it? What was it that, that all of this celebration she had prepared in the family, and, and I'm sure this is no different then, it is now, it's a big deal. And back then, especially having boys was a big deal. You could have the Messiah. You don't know. I mean, imagine being in the world. She doesn't care. What is it that took the joy from her? This great celebration is like, hmm, I've had a boy. Wonderful. The glory has departed. What is there to celebrate? She's lost a husband, by the way. She doesn't name her son after her dead husband. She doesn't commemorate her dead husband. She commemorates the missing box. Right? She, she commemorates the lack of presence of God. That was what was important to her. I don't know how Phineas got a good wife like this. Because he was no prize, based on the stories about him. He did not deserve this woman. She had it right. <coughs> the Ark of God was captured. And that's, every time she calls her son to dinner, Glory's departed. It's time for supper. Like, Everything she ever calls or references her son, she will reference and keep in her mind the presence of God. Every time. Think about that. A milestone in her life. In our lives, we have these, these moments, right? Things that you recall from your youth or, or things that are just... Keystone events in your life, and depending on your age, there are different things. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. Some people just, they're going to remember where they were. I remember the, the space shuttle. Uh, was it Challenger in 86? I, I remember that. I mean, you're watching, we're, we're watching in school. It's like, oh, that went wrong. Like, did we just see that? Big moment. We're watching it. In did we just see that? Yeah, we just saw that. Like, you don't get those images out of your head. This is that moment for her. She's going to remember it. It's such a big thing. And this is our reveal, is our grief for things. 
Certainly she grieves her husband. It's not a small deal. The text tells us that she, she did. But in comparison, it was, it was a small thing. So I want to leave us with a challenge this morning. As <clears throat> we talk about the attitudes of reverence, we're going to come back to kind of the, the, the rest of the story next week. What happens after the box has been taken? But to genuinely grieve. Genu- that's the lesson from, from Eli. Not, not to fall over backwards and break my neck, but, but to genuinely have this attitude... For two things. First of all, the absence of God. Now, God has always been absent from our secular culture. That's to some degree or another. I mean, there might be references to it, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit in our class this morning. There might be references. It might be okay in secular culture. but, But really, there's always been a degree of worldliness that's, that's not a shocking thing. But we are in a, a time that's unprecedented during the Christian era where churches, where religiously people are backing away from the presence of God. Where, where people are we're kind of in limbo. God's in limbo in, in Christian circles. How far do we really want to go to be connected with God? Purity of faith has been replaced by social agendas. Where we, Okay, here's a verse that mentions something, and I'm going to... To really go off of the, the topic, and, and, and I'm going to really just talk about what I want to talk about, which really has nothing to do with the gospel at all. This is my agenda that I want to talk about. And the call of the gospel is, is really being drowned out right now by the grinding of political axes. I think Cam kind of went through that in a recent sermon. It was a good sermon, so I won't re-preach it. But our, our opinions on secular things are invading and displacing the gospel from our hearts, from our attitudes. And we're getting so wound up, and, and, and people are really anxious with each other, I'm going to preach your sermon a little bit. And we, we forget, and God's displaced, and he's not happy when that happens. So genuinely grieve that, that change, and, and genuinely grieve for the substitution of values. Where superstition has, has become a substitution that, that those values that, that are being promoted to children in the, in the uh, 
in the name of their best interest. It's in your best interest to do this. To, to, to structure your future this way to make sure you maximize the number of dollars that you're going to be able to earn. Where that is the high value. And the dollar that a, a person is going to get is, becomes a substitution for the spiritual relationship that they're going to have with God. And we present this to them as, as ideal in their lives. We should grieve that, that move. To grieve genuinely. There's not just to be sad genuinely. But to be personally affected. In such a way that we make a landmark for it in our lives. That, that we recall this. And you can do this a number of ways, but it needs to be something permanent that we think of. We are, as a, as a family, as a church family, or, or in our own families, remembering that we have a legacy to leave to younger people, whether you have kids or not, to be a part of that thing that those who are younger have a legacy to seek God first. To not let anything displace Him from their hearts.